0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, January 8th. We are here live. It is time for a Monday free for all. Anything goes. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, jump in and join us. I'll give you the phone number because around here these days, never quite sure. Uh, the call in button on your app will work. We've got it programmed correctly. If you're going to dial in, here's the number 319. 319- five two seven six seven nine one anything goes we'll get to those calls here in just a little bit I've just got some odds and ends I'm going to talk about until we get some calls lined up so go ahead and join us uh, while we're talking about the phones I'll give you an update on where we are and I'm um, I've been pretty frustrated with that Things are starting to look up, so we'll uh, we'll keep you informed. Here's kind of a, a recap. You know, we we've been doing this for over two years, and we've had problems along the way. But I, I went back and kind of looked at everything that's been going on. In the beginning, most of the problems were on my end or our end. I was working on different setups, different technology, different uh, devices and electronics, and I need two different setups, one, you know, in the studio and one when I'm on the road. And a lot of the problems were just working through the best way to, to build that out. We've been building our own system. And then in the last, I don't know, uh, six months for sure, it seems to be gotten even worse here in the last three months. The last piece that we haven't finished on our own. A lot of the stuff in the background we've, we've built out, the last piece has been the phone system. And there's two phone systems out there that can work the way we need them to work. For some reason, those two systems have gotten worse instead of better. And they've both been around a long time. Blog Talk Radio, which we're using today, I was using 20 years ago. Uh, or close to it. We had an outage with Blog Talk Radio that lasted almost a week. And then for some reason, our other platform just has weird intermittent technical issues that I just can't even figure out. But for some reason, that part of everything has gotten worse. So I, I went back and looked, almost every problem we're having now is not on our end. It's not equipment issues. There's there's still user error on my part because I'm jumping back and forth all the time from two or three different systems and leads to errors. But for the most part, the problems have been in those two phone systems. Now, here's the good news. We are going to be testing our phone system this week, I think. we're We're getting really close. I've got a lot of the other technology worked out, so we're hoping that um, we'll have our own phone system up and running soon. That will get us very, very close to building this out on our own platform. And like I said, one of the problems is we, we, we really do a live radio show, not a podcast. Almost all of the software out there is designed for podcasting. It's super easy. Even if you've never podcasted, you could download an app to your phone right now and you could be running a successful podcast today. It's not that hard at all, and the software is easy. But a typical podcast is a host and a guest and an hour show a week. We're doing 10 to 15 hours a week. We live stream and we take live calls. Other than radio stations and all of their equipment, there just isn't anything out there to do that with without hacking together a bunch of pieces, which is what we've done. And then the system becomes complicated. Oh, the other thing we, um, I'm in the middle of upgrading this now. So one of the issues that it just piles on is the internet seems to be worse for us here at home, at least, and it was more of a problem on the road as well. Uh, our internet access seems to be less dependable than it was 15 years ago. We have fiber here in the studio, but it's not very dependable. We've been having big drops where I just lose the internet signal completely. That causes all kinds of technical issues and things crash. And so, um, Aaron and I worked on a, Uh, kind of a foolproof system about as foolproof and redundant as you can make this Uh, I think I'm going to have when I get this system finished I think I'm gonna have four separate connections to the internet we will have Starlink uh, two cellular connections and our current fiber when we're in the studio when we're on the road we'll have three at least and we have the ability to add a Wi-Fi signal. If we're parked somewhere, say in a TA, and they've got Wi-Fi, I'll have three signals with me, Starlink and two cell signals, and we could bond in that Wi-Fi even. So we could have four signals at home, and many times when we're on the road, we could have four. That's pretty redundant. But we've also invested in the equipment to what's called bond those signals together and it's fairly expensive but it should mean that we the odds of us ever having an internet failure should be almost zero because if we lose any one of those four signals the other three should pick up with no drop whatsoever that's the bonding part so I think once we get the internet nailed down and we don't have to worry about internet drops, we build our own phone system, we might be able to get back to just doing the show every day and not fighting with technology all the time. So that's the update on that. I had a ton of other stuff, but boy, the, uh, the phone calls are really coming in. So I think, uh, let me look through my list here. Um, I had some interesting stuff, but nothing all that important. It can probably wait. We'll get to the phone calls. Let's get started right now. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, good morning. Is that me? That is you.
1: Hello. Oh, you you, you disappeared right there for a minute. Oh, no, I got um yeah, go ahead. So after after Friday's show, TJ comes in and drops a grenade and then no, oh, I got to go see it.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Um you should bring back the pit, and TJ can be your co-host. Wouldn't that be fun? election. It's an election yeah. I, I I like listening to TJ but he pissed me off yesterday on Friday because <laughs> I think I was the next caller in line but it's like TJ yeah. go. Move along move along. <laughs> He's <laughs> like I gotta go. <laughs> Ten minutes later he got off and then you and your wagon fell off the track and it's
0: like, God damn it. Uh, well that yeah. you know, that was the other frustrating thing. That was what I was just talking about. We had a total internet drop and the problem is it our system's so complicated that with an internet drop like that I have to restart like four different things. Yeah, and we had already been on the air yeah. over two hours, and we had so many calls and so many guests. I thought, man, if I restart all this, it's going to take me 15 minutes, and we're almost done anyway. And it's Friday, so I'm just yep. quitting. But it's frustrating. Yeah, well, I, 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 I guess
1: that's... I, I hate I, ending yeah, I a show that like was that. guess what happened, but yeah, uh, Joel and Henry and Alec, they continued to talk for a few minutes, and then it's like... Yeah, it looks like we lost Kevin and like, yeah, well, I'm out of here. So yeah. that was the end of it. But,
0: yeah, yeah, that was so frustrating.
1: Seeing it's an election year, TJ can be your co-host for the pit.
0: I think that would be fun.
1: Yeah. So. Um, I haven't done all my numbers for the end of the year, but uh, my maintenance was 29.1 cents a mile for my truck, which is, half years old 1.3 million miles and my old trailer uh, and I was a, which is the same age but now I have my new trailer so I'm at I ended up at 29.1 cents a mile for maintenance for last year which is I was happy with that
0: yeah you know I I need to go back and dig into the maintenance numbers and averages now it's been a couple of years since I've done it things have really changed the cost of maintenance has gone way and- up. The numbers we used to use are just not accurate (laughs) anymore. Not even close. You're a different situation because your trailer can add quite a bit of cost.
1: Actually, that was maintenance and tires. So,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah, And, and we, we always want to include tires and maintenance. I, I, I can remember a time, I mean, it wasn't, I guess it was a while back, but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago to me where I used to operate my trucks at six cents a mile in maintenance six cents a mile that would three yeah, years it was that number
1: anybody that's only spending six cents a mile now I think they're they're in for a root surprise because yeah. this stuff they're not doing
0: You know, this is that that's an interesting point because we talk about, you know, cost per mile all the time and always trying to get our costs down. But maintenance is one of those numbers. When I look at it, I look to make sure it's not too high or too low. If it's too low, eventually it will become too high. If you're not doing enough of the preventative maintenance, then it's going to catch up with you. So that that's one of those numbers where there's there's usually a sweet spot. We don't want it too low.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I was happy because at one stage earlier in the year I was up around thirty-eight or thirty-nine cents. So, but the end of the year I was twenty-nine point one. So, I was happy with that. So.
0: Good. Yeah. Good. Right. That's all I got today. All right. That's all we need. We will move along. Phone lines are open. It is a Monday free-for-all. Jump in and join us. You can either use your call-in button on the app that will work, or The number today, it's uh, phone number bingo around here these days, 319-527-6791. Let's let's go to Illinois. Jerry, welcome.
2: Good morning,
3: Kevin. I got a couple of really quick things, and then I got a question, and it may be a short uh, answer because you may not have done what you said you were going to do. But (laughs) if you ever want to just be purely entertained – and maybe you already do this, but if you want to be purely entertained, get some kind of a clandestine uh, identity and join that NOAA Facebook group.
0: It's hilarious. Uh, you know, I can't. Well, I'm not going to ask if you already do. No, I don't. On, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I am always completely upfront and transparent about this. I don't use Facebook false profiles online anywhere to try to, you know, I, I know a lot of people keep some other identities around so they can lurk. Here's, you know, the biggest reason I don't do it, I'm going to be completely honest. Time. No, it's actually not time. Uh, that's it. That's one reason you I, I can't spend a bunch of time in there with them. It, it would frustrate the hell out of me anyway. But here's the reason I don't use different identities online. I would screw it up. I absolutely know I would. I would post one day not paying attention to which account I was on, and it would completely give it away. I would make a mess of it. So it's just better for me just to be upfront, transparent. Here's who I am. This is the only account you'll ever see with me with online. Now, the only exception to that is I do have uh, – I I don't have one on Twitter. I used to have one on Facebook. And I do have one on our tribe site. I have an alternative login that doesn't have any kind of admin rights. It's just a regular account. And the only thing I use it for is because sometimes you see things differently then. The whole system works different when you don't have admin rights. And I just use one of those to test things. But I don't. post because, like I said, I I, if I tried to troll around and do stuff like that, I would screw it up.
1: Yeah, well,
3: I just get entertained by watching it. I mean, they've got owner-operator in their group, and yet you have people that are arguing to the extreme that there's no such thing in the trucking industry as an owner-operator, but yet they They, have owner-operator in the name of the group. This seems to be –
0: no, you're right. This seems to be their biggest (laughs) challenge. They can't seem to separate the difference between an employee and a business owner. That they mix the two up all the time. It's like they don't even distinguish between the two. And then they don't, for some reason, they don't believe independent contractors should exist, that you shouldn't be allowed to lease to a carrier. They believe that the The... Motor Carrier Act of 1980 should come back, except when I ask them what that really was and what it meant, nobody can explain it to me. Uh, I get so frustrated when I watch. The other thing they've been doing a lot of, They've been joining spaces or being a part of spaces on Twitter, but I noticed a trend. They they keep joining spaces that are hosted by people that aren't in trucking and they somehow convince them to do the space about trucking issues. And because the host has no idea about the trucking industry, they say anything they want. And some of the crap I've heard in there is just insane. Yeah, but they they no,
3: they can get away with it because nobody's That's smart it. enough to challenge them. In those exactly.
0: Careers. And it just goes on and on. And, and they would have you believe that they, because of the way truck drivers are treated, the whole world is going to collapse. I mean, it, it's, it's oh, just kind exactly, of insane. So. Uh,
3: just another side note before I get to my question is uh, 23300 I burned $10,380 was my discount. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Why wouldn't anybody be a member? I don't understand why everybody wouldn't be a member. So, so anyway, I,
0: I agree with that. And one of the reasons, you know, has always been, they really do focus on about 20 truck fleets, but we're, we're changing that. We've got some programs. We're working yeah. on that. Um, and one of the reasons they have never really gone after our market, you know, five trucks or less is kind of what I consider my market, maybe 10. Yeah. Um, honestly, they didn't have programs other than the fuel card. And David kind of felt like the fuel card wasn't enough. And I said, David, that fuel card is is. Worth ten times more than the membership dues they're paid. Oh, absolutely! If, if oh, all they yes. if, if yeah, all people get all hung up on their dues. Oh, if all they did was use the fuel card alone, they don't need any more value for what you're charging them. But you know, I like exactly. it. Exactly. We're we're putting other programs yeah. together, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it.
3: Yeah. Well, right. Uh, let me get to my question here. I got some that I just pull in here. But right before Christmas break, you mentioned that Vivek Ramaswamy was going to do a speech at the Iowa 80. Yeah. And you were going to go watch it. Did you watch it? And I'd like to have you comment on it. That was my real
0: you know, question. And um, there's a lot going on with Vivek right now. I, I watched parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, I really didn't need to. I mean, I, I liked a lot of what he said. Here's where I am with him, honestly. I've watched him. He has been all over social media with he's all over the place campaigning. This guy, you know, I always said one of the things I loved about Trump was how hard he worked. One of the things I hated hey, about you Trump, answer the question, I got I got to hang up, so All right. I will. I will continue to answer the question. One of the things I hated about Trump was the way that he handled the media by taunting them over and over and over and insulting them over and over and over. And I think it was a mistake. I think the media is too powerful. I think had Trump not done that, he may have been a two term president. I don't know. A lot of people think the election would have been stolen either way. Maybe it would have. I don't know. But it, it, there was no no good outcome to the way he handled the media, and it made things much worse for him. Now I'm watching Vivek Ramaswamy, and I've liked him from the time I read his book. If you want to know a little more about him, he did write a book called Woke Inc. about all the problems with DEI and and the woke. Um, culture and all of those things that have been going on really good book that was the first time I heard of him when I read the book then he's he uh, announced his run for presidency and I've been watching him ever since here's where I am with this guy Um, I, I don't know anything more about him than what I can read from his book from his history that I can find from watching him Right now, he actually seems too good to be true to me. The things he is saying not only go along with a lot of what I've believed for a long time. He goes way farther than I ever thought a candidate would. He really is serious about eliminating huge parts of the government, all the alphabet agencies. And I am all for that. He um, he isn't a big believer in we should be the world's police and spending all this money around the world when we're broke. I could go on and on and on and on. And I have never seen anybody handle the media better than Vivek Ramaswamy. Not even close. This guy does not play games with them. He shuts them down he He points out their absurdity, he pushes back hard, and he's good at it. He's really good at it. He does it without insulting anybody. He just states the facts. The things he talked about in trucking I, exactly what we need in trucking and I was shocked at how how well he understood the issues. This guy is extremely intelligent so i'm i'm uh I've got kind of mixed feelings. Like I said, it almost seems too good to be true, and I'm wondering what's out there that we don't know. Maybe nothing. Maybe this guy just really is that impressive. And here's the other thing. He's so young, he almost didn't qualify to be president this time. It was fairly close. So, um as far as as his uh, speech at Iowa 80 and the fact that he was there at all and how well he understood the trucking industry and, it, and its issues. And he's, he's never had anything to do with trucking, but he he um, he works harder than anybody I've seen, including Trump. He's really intelligent. He's young and energetic, and he's saying a lot of really good stuff. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, well, Trump's going to be the candidate and Trump should pick him as a vice president. I can't imagine Trump ever picking Vivek Ramaswamy as a, a, a running mate. I, I just think his ego's too big. Uh, I'll tell you what's been happening lately um, on the campaign and trail in Iowa. A lot of people are asking Vivek if he would choose Donald Trump as his running mate if he manages to win the, um, the primaries. And he answered it the other day in a video. I posted it, uh, I think, in... I don't know if I put it up on the tribe site or not. Uh, he actually answered that question, and he said he would. He would, he would absolutely consider Donald Trump as a running mate. I, I don't think it would ever work, and I'm sure it won't work the other way around. Um, but if nothing else, it's really interesting to have him in the race because of all the things he's saying, and he's he's really starting to garner a lot of attention, so it uh, it could get interesting. I, honestly, if I. I think if, if we were to vote today and I could just pick anybody that I wanted to vote for for president, I am getting closer and closer to thinking it would be him. I, I The only thing I, I'm concerned about is there's some things I just don't know. And occasionally there's this report he took a bunch of money from Klaus Schwab or somebody crazy like that. and I, it, Maybe he has, I don't know. Uh, anymore, it is so hard to try to track all this stuff down and find the truth, but... Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that one because it's pretty interesting. All right, let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Tennessee. Danny, welcome.
2: Good morning, Kevin.
0: What's on your mind today?
2: Um, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but um, I've got one of those new uh, Levn AI headsets that I'm talking on. Um, just thought I'd throw that out.
0: Yeah, um, it sounds pretty clear.
2: Yeah, I like it. It's Like forty nine bucks.
0: That's a lot hard to beat.
2: Uh, other. Um, all right. Yeah, I do like Vivek, too, there. I've been uh, following him. But anyway, I've posted up. <clears throat> I know people have called in about the hybrid electric diesel electric truck. Maybe that. Uh, have you? And I've posted it up, whether you've seen it, I don't know, that Edison Motors up in British Columbia you you seen what they built from scratch?
0: I have not watched any of the videos or read anything on that. I've seen it, and I know they're getting a lot of attention, but I really haven't had time to go through that yet.
2: Well, a quick rundown. Uh, Obviously, they're up in the woods. He built a logging truck. Now, it does have their their diesel electric, but the axles themselves, they're not like Tesla. They have their diff. The motor is the differentiator. You've only got two motors. Uh, the battery pack sits between the frames, and it's on an air ride system to absorb a lot of the shock. You've got your generator with your transmission, and then they use a small diesel engine, which basically would just keep the batteries charged when Did, needed, and then shut off.
0: Do you know any of the details on that? Like what size and who makes that engine?
2: The one, they just use a small, I
0: think it was a C7 or a C9 Cat. So, let, But he said you can use any engine. Well, let, let's think about that for a second, though. C7, yeah, that's kind of small. C9 is not all that small of an engine. I mean, that that's still a 9-liter a, a diesel engine. Is still a big diesel engine. Most of the straight trucks running around, that would be probably class 6 or so um, with engines like that get about the same fuel economy as an over the road truck does so I, I i'm wondering where the efficiency comes from when you're when you're already including a 9 liter diesel engine
2: i don't know why they they he said the engine's an option that's just what they used when they built this truck well, it's I know, but you,
0: you've you got to have something big enough to run a big enough generator to do the job. I, and I, the, about the smallest I have seen is down in that seven liter range. But here they're saying even up to a nine. I, I get it. You got to have a big enough engine to run a big enough generator to charge a lot of batteries. Here's my first impression, and I don't have mm-hmm. enough detail about this to really talk intelligently, but I could see where in a logging operation, building a truck like this might make a lot of sense. You would Electric motors have tons of torque instantly. That would be a huge advantage in an off-road operation. It's a lot of stop and go, which is another good use of a hybrid kind of a system. None of that translates to over the road. Not even close. These two operations are so wildly different that thinking that... And that's
2: what he built. That's
0: No, I know. You're not going to
2: find a target staging on the side of a mountain.
0: Well, I understand that, too. This is why it makes sense here, but I'm not sure that this is going to be any more efficient. There's not a whole lot of efficiency in logging anyway. Use a lot of fuel for the little bit of miles you might travel. The fuel economy is awful in that operation, but that but that's not that's not the core of that operation. So I, I get where I, I think he's on the right track here. This might make a lot of sense in operations like this, diesel hybrids. I don't know. Here's the thing I'd I'd want to mm-hmm. see from somebody. I want to see overall cost of ownership.
2: Yeah. Well, again, it, what he built was a prototype. I mean, this thing you know the, the the diesel only comes on so it, it runs at a steady rpm and you know then it kicks back off um he's he has to have this thing inspected in order to become a manufacturer so he can't even drive it on the road yet but you know he's there's a lot more to it than you know just throwing an engine so, i mean he built this thing from scratch
0: well and here's kind of goopy looking but well, here's what has to happen too: that whole process of having a vehicle, any vehicle certified to be legal on the roads is incredibly complicated and expensive. The way I see it, the, the path forward for this company is somebody would have to buy them at some point. I do not see this company being able to take this truck and this concept and bring it to the point where it's street legal. Remember the, um, remember that goofy little car that I put a deposit on, the Elio, that three-wheeler? Yep. They had a lot of money invested trying to bring that car to market, and they failed. Do you know why it was three wheels? It wasn't because of efficiency. The, uh, the, uh, the only Canada reason
4: approved as a car.
0: Yeah, a motorcycle. Uh, that's exactly right. They They looked at it and said, trying to bring a brand new vehicle to market and getting it approved through the DOT is so time consuming and expensive. They decided to make it a three wheeler so it could be classified as a motorcycle. Then it's easier. They wouldn't even take on the task of you know, trying to make a a four-wheel automobile, uh, bring a new one into the market. Now, trucks are even more complicated. So I I don't see a company of this size, no matter how many investors they get, being able to do this. I think they'd almost have to be bought by somebody who could bring it to market. And in in that vocational market, it might make sense. But almost none of that translates into over the road.
2: Well, he's actually talking about converting a diesel engine truck, pulling the motor, trans, drive shaft, rear axles, and converting everything over to uh hybrid electric. That's his main focus. Now, I don't know what the you know, the engine doesn't run all the time, so I I don't know what you know, obviously it's gonna you know, the load, how long is the battery's gonna last, but they need charging. And so you know, in some areas it might make sense, but you know, over 100% electric, you know, in some areas, yeah,
0: I think it would make sense. Well, and I'm going to come back to the same thing, whether it's full electric, hybrid electric, hydrogen electric, any of these alternatives, the one thing we're not seeing, and the, the only thing that really matters to me on any of this technology is, is it cost effective? We are in an industry where the margins are so small that you can't afford to pay for some crazy expensive technology. And we're not seeing that. You know, how long if we're going to put a a cat C9 in this thing, it's got to meet all the emission requirements. And those emissions have to be every time we have new emission requirements that that's they've got to meet those same emission requirements. that's a fairly expensive Even engine. It's, not
2: it's powering the truck it's just powering a generator.'t does matter it's doesn't exempt matter from some
0: now, well, look at our APUs in California aren't exempt from anything. they've got specific rules on those too. They, the EPA is not going to allow uh, a, a non- emission engine on any part of a truck like this reefers, generators, APUs, they're just not going to allow it. So you've still got emissions to deal with on that engine. How long is that engine going to last? Will we have some rebuild cycle on it? I don't know. How long are these batteries going to last? What's the replacement cost of the batteries? There are so many questions about this, and I just don't see a lot of numbers anywhere.
5: True, true,
2: but who knows? Maybe someday it'll be. uh, He'll have it out. But well, I would. The guy's pretty. I know you don't.
0: He's obviously really sharp. There's no doubt. When you listen
2: to the guy talk,
0: yeah, he's he's really sharp. There's no doubt. This guy's intelligent. He's gotten a lot accomplished already. I'm not saying he's not gonna pull this off, and he might have a really good use for a hybrid. This may be a perfect truck for out there in the woods. I don't know. Yeah, and I'd much rather see him doing this, improving things, than, you know, the government forcing stuff on us.
2: Yeah. Well, that's about it. I've I've, I've got other stuff, but uh, I'm going to try to get in tomorrow and talk to Leroy or Bruce or something here about uh, some things. But uh, anyway, have a good one, Kevin.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. All right. Let's... uh Let's go to the phones. Phone lines are open. It is a free-for-all. If you want to jump in and join us, use your call-in button on the app. That will work or the number today, and it's always subject to change these days, 319-527-6791. Let's head off to Tennessee. Nick, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, uh,
4: I've got a request. I want to hear from one of your listeners, uh, my new hero. Uh, you had Matt text you, I think maybe on Friday, with his fuel numbers for the year. And the guy is getting, did you say eight point four miles a gallon for, his, for the year?
0: Uh, we're talking about Matt's numbers. I think I was talking about his last yeah. week. Uh, let me look. Yeah, uh,
4: yeah. Yeah, I think he. I think. He, yep. Yeah, I think he texted you. Said so he, he got eight point four for here. Um, and he's running, I think, if I like a ninety-eight Kenworth T six hundred with a cat motor, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I would love to hear his recipe. What what he's what he's running. What is uh, you know what he's done to his truck. How he drives. All that good stuff. I mean, that's, that's right. an incredible number for a truck that year.
0: Well, I'll tell you. There's a couple things about this number too. He runs hard. You know, he for the year, um, he was at 157,000 miles. That's one driver. He yeah. runs back and forth from Minnesota to Florida. So, it, it, you know, he's, he's got some issues there. You've got, you know, tough winter weather in, and, and, you know, half or more of his trip. Uh, but running that hard, you know, he's not out driving 55 all the time. He's got to run harder than that. So, the other thing, 8.43 was the average. His range is nice and tight, too. His lowest, his worst tank in an entire year was basically eight, 7.96. That was his worst tank. His best was nine and a half. That's a tight range to be up that high and yeah. keep it that tight. It's really consistent. Um, clearly, his driving helps. Matt's been driving for a long, long time. Uh, he's been driving for fuel economy for a long, long time, and he has done uh, probably all of the modifications we talk about are darn close to it. But that those are incredible numbers.
2: Yeah,
4: and, and another thing too is uh, he's not putting death in that truck. No. So you know he put so. that. Against the today's truck, he's saving even more
0: money. Yeah, yeah, his his costs are low. Well, I I also posted Matt's overall numbers. Matt always shares his P and L with us. I talk about it online all the time and on the air. Um, uh, he is still I think last year he still netted significantly over two hundred thousand. That's not just good fuel right. mileage. That is just a, a I don't know that you can run one truck any more profitably than that. Right.
4: Yeah. No, those are awesome numbers. I'd love to, like I said, I'd love to hear his recipe, what all he's done to the truck and his, you know, what he's well, pulling, what, what kind of, you know, his driving habits, well, all that stuff.
0: We'll, we'll get him in here. We'll, we'll, we'll have him, uh, join me on the, on an open sometime soon. And we'll talk about all that. Yeah.
4: Sweet. Uh, what, one other thing, um, Got uh, kind of a driver, a friend of mine that worked for a company that's based out of California, uh, and he just received an email from them, basically saying to not worry about all this new um, screening, whatnot. In California, it sounds like it's kind of getting put on hold for another year. Um, you know, they got a lot of trucks that are that would not be compliant, but they told them just to keep running. And, and uh, sounds like it's not going to go down this year. So good. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it um it, it it's a shame that we have allowed one state like California to hold the entire trucking industry hostage.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Isn't uh, was is Interstate Commerce Act? Is it? I mean, it's kind of
0: violating that, is it not? It, it, there's several, you know, federal regulations that this doesn't really jive with. One being the Interstate Commerce Act, which, and that's the whole point of it. I, I, and look, I'm a big believer in states' rights. I love the idea that the federal government has very, very limited power, or they're supposed to. We've gotten so far off track, our government doesn't run anything like the way it was supposed to run. But the federal government was supposed to have very few powers. And if it isn't specifically stated in the Constitution that it's the federal government's um, area, then it's up to the states. And I love that system. But there are some exceptions, and this would be one. When you have an industry that has to operate in all of those states at any given moment— then you've got to have some protection for an industry like that, that these states can't do all this crazy stuff. And yet we've allowed California to do that, and, and we shouldn't. But here we are. Right.
4: Yeah, and, you know, we've got all these groups that are always um, try, trying to make things for the trucker better. I wish I wish we could... Make all states have the same regulations. It's ridiculous the different regulations in each state that we've got to deal with. Uh, if everything was universal, would make our lives a whole lot easier. And, um, and especially, you know, these guys, yeah, all oversized. You've got to You're
0: reduce. right. All the crazy, goofy regulations about weight and axles and distance and all kinds of crazy stuff. Bridge laws being different everywhere. Look, look. If most businesses, if I own a restaurant. Unless I start franchising, I'm only ever going to deal with the regulations in one state, so that's not a big deal. But in trucking, all of us have to deal with all kinds of different states, and we should have standardized regulations for this kind of stuff. Yeah.
4: All right, Kevin, that's all I got. I'll let you
0: carry on. All right, thanks for the call. All right, we had a huge list of calls there. We, we dropped a couple, and uh, we've blown through some, but we have lines open. I have some other topics I could talk about, but if you want to jump in and join us, now would be the time, 319-527-6791. Let's go to New Jersey. Darren, welcome to the program
5: thanks for taking my call.
0: What's on your mind hey, today?
5: I think Morgan was, uh, I think Morgan was going to send over uh, my profit report. All right, right said you sent it over to you.
0: I've got it here in front. I didn't really of you.
5: have. I just wanted you to go over it. I'm pretty happy with my numbers. <laughs> it's the first year I've actually used profit gages for a full year, and I just guess uh, wanting you to critique it maybe and let me know if you see anything that I uh, could improve on.
0: Wow. Um, first off, tell me about your operation while I look at your numbers.
5: So I'm the guy that hauls pallets from Pennsylvania out to New Jersey. I called in a couple of times. I've, I have a Freightliner Coronado glider kit with a 12.7 liter Detroit. i uh, got two sixty four gears, got a lift axle on it. Um, I run direct 57 mile an hour and I pull drop deck loaded one way, empty one way. So You're, pretty much go to New Jersey almost every day and come home. So I'm home every night.
0: So I have a little bit of experience with this. Not a lot when, uh, When I was running around local in Northeast Ohio, uh, at one point I had a route that I had about two hours in the middle of the day where there was almost nothing to do usually. I'd get my deliveries done early. Most of my pickups were later in the day. And I had this hole in the middle of the afternoon. And because it was local, it was right there by where I lived. I knew a bunch of people. I knew this guy that had started a pallet company. And he always needed pallets moved around, either, you know, picking up old pallets and bringing them to him so he could repair them. Or when he was done with them, I would take them to somebody else. He would sell them. Um, and I would do that. I would help him out occasionally when I had time in the middle of the week and he would call me. Um, my understanding was that pallets just don't pay all that well. And and that was certainly my experience then. I, I'm shocked that you are running pallets one way and empty the other, and you're pulling down these kind of numbers.
5: Yeah, and I, I, I'm i actually, so I run, there is, like, pallet shops all over my area. Like, there's probably, I'd have to count, I, there's at least 10, there could be 20. There's a bunch of Amish in the area, and they everyone does pallets. So, like, I know a lot of pallet haulers, and, like, so... I'm actually one of the lower-rate fellows in the area. Really? Like, there's guys that are actually, oh, yeah. Like, I'm, my rate right now, I just dropped a little bit because fuel prices come down. I'm at 505 on my loaded miles. And my competition is at about, the average would be about 540 to 560.
0: Wow. So, uh, just to go over your numbers so people understand here, you only drove 81,000 miles. You drove yep. about half of what Matt did. Half. I mean, that's a big, big difference. But your overall rate per mile on all miles, $2.65 a mile. Considering that you're running half empty, that is really strong. And when you are loaded, you're light, and your your profit per mile is outstanding, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're empty one-way, um, you don't spend a lot of time sitting around anywhere looking for freight. You, you've got loads, they go out, you come right back. There's a lot of advantages to an operation like this. And you are profiting a $1.82 a mile. That, that's pretty oh. incredible.
5: And I like I got so I got two drop decks. So I got one one gets loaded while I'm out delivering. I don't even load my own loads. Like all I gotta do is walk around the trailer, check the straps. They they load it, strap it down, and uh I when I get out I pull my straps and the company unloads uh, me. My unload time is about a half hour to an hour, somewhere in that range, and that's yeah, I just keep doing the uh, turns.
0: Uh, on on eighty one thousand miles pulling pallets one way and empty the other you made almost a hundred and fifty thousand dollars net. Congratulations! What an awesome operation!
5: Yep, yep, yep. And this is this is when everyone—not everyone—but I keep hearing people say how bad it is. So, oh, uh, a 20, I, I, This is.
0: We we just a good year. we just stopped short of calling twenty twenty three a bloodbath, and I think the reason we didn't is because the first half of the year wasn't all that bad. It started to get bad. Now it it's ugly out there right now. There's some pretty rough stuff out there. But on the other hand, the people who have been doing things right for years now, it has really paid off. Not only did it it protect them in a downtime, but it's almost like the downtime hasn't even happened for a lot of you guys yet. Like Matt's numbers in 2023 were incredible. Your numbers are still awesome. These are just crazy good numbers. And technically, I think we're at the bottom right now. I don't think there's much farther to go down. And it seems like some people, they're just not participating in the recession. You're one of them.
5: Right. Yeah. On my fuel mileage, I wanted to go over, too. So I started listening to you in 2019. It was the first I heard you. So I just went back on. I'm on fuel gauges. So in 2020, no, 2019, my average for the entire year all miles was 6.57 um 2020 I was 7.14 um 2020 wait I'm wrong the first year was 2020 2020 I was 6.57 2021 was 7.14 2022 was 7.7 and then this year 2023
0: was 8.52 wow Wow. So
5: that's just from listening to you and taking putting everything into practice that I learned from you. So yeah. um, I can't Con- wait to see what 2024 does.
0: Congratulations. So. Uh, you know, we were just talking about maintenance cost with Paul. And Paul, being a car hauler, we know he's got higher maintenance costs. He was really happy with $0.29 cents a mile on maintenance. And you are – where did I just saw this a minute ago? Where are you on maintenance? Uh 14 cents a mile, half of what Paul spends.
5: Yeah. but if you, I even bought a trailer this year. I'm trying to think. So I bought a trailer, and there was the tires. None of the tires needed to replace, but I can't stand mismatched tires. So yeah, I went out and bought I, a I'm full the same set of brand-new tires in there. So that, that's even on – so that would have been even lower if I, just, wow. if I wouldn't be so crazy about having matching tires, but yeah, I, I can't stand mismatch. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> the,
0: I'm the same so, way. Yeah, I'd lose sleep so, at yeah. night.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: so. well, congratulations. Yeah. I'd love seeing numbers like this.
5: Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I had in mind so I can let you run and get to the more phone calls.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. You know, it, it, uh, I, I have been through a lot of these downturns since I bought my first truck in 86. Uh, I've never seen one like this. I've never seen one that took so long to get here. Uh, I've never seen one that the, the numbers were just so confusing. What's the stock market doing? What's the economy doing? What's trucking doing? Lots of things that haven't made sense. I've also never seen one where a whole bunch of people seem to just not be participating in this re- recession. I, I know a lot of very small fleets and single truck owner operators that are still doing really well. Ah, that's good news. I love to see that. Let's continue with the calls. If you want to jump in and join us, it is a Monday free-for-all. Pick up the phone and give me a call. Let's go to Alaska. Jesse, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's on your mind today?
6: I'm actually, in Arkansas.
0: Arkansas. Okay. I, boy, I was yeah. going to say I don't get many <laughs> calls from Alaska, but that's all right.
6: <laughs> yes, sir. I'm a new listener. I just started listening to your show maybe end of last year, maybe uh-uh. end of uh, January or uh, January, December. Welcome. And I've uh, been real, been been really enjoying it so far. And just finally got the courage to call in and ask a question. Good.
0: What can I help you with today? So I
6: would just, uh, I'm looking to transition to it'd be an owner operator with my company. You know, I'd be uh, working under, you know, pretty much leasing onto them with my truck. Okay. And we pull uh, dry bulk, you know, food-grade dry bulk in uh, pneumatic tanks.
0: Okay. And
6: I'm just saying, what – what kind of truck would you recommend on that? You know, uh, obviously I know it's got to be a mid roof and, you know, something I got to equip a blower on or they're going to equip the blower and everything. But, you know, I'm saying trucks everywhere and everyone's recommending, Doug you got to do Peterbilt, can't worry. Well, but let's you know, I'm st- not let, looking let, to start out, you
0: know. Let, let, let's start with the, the, the real basics here. Um, first off, you are exactly right. A mid roof may be one of the most important things because it's not something you can easily modify later. So we, we do want to match the height of that trailer, a mid-roof on a dry bulk is just about perfect. Um, this idea of uh, when I hear this, uh, it just kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. When I hear, well, what kind of truck? Should it be a Peterbilt or a Volvo? You know, the actual truck itself isn't all that important. What is important uh-huh. is the drive line, the engine, transmission, differentials, those kind of things. Now, it does matter because Peterbilt offers certain options and Volvo offers certain options and International has their options, but it, it's not the make of the truck that matters. Not much anyway. That's more what do you like? What what do you feel comfortable in? Those kind of things. And do you have a good dealer nearby? A, a good maintenance shop that would work on that kind of truck? I, I, I really... The only reason I'm picky about the truck itself is the drive line that it offers me. For example, when I was buying trucks and and operating trucks, my favorite combination—this was late '90s, early 2000s—my favorite combination was a Volvo truck. Because I could still get a Detroit engine in it, a 60 series, a Volvo yeah. with a 60 series Detroit. Yeah, that's
6: Detroit. what I was looking at. It was possibly a Volvo.
0: Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, absolutely loved those trucks. After 2001, you could no longer get a Detroit engine in a Volvo truck because Freightliner owned Detroit engines. So I actually switched from buying and speccing Volvos at the time to buying and speccing Freightliners so I could get the Series 60. I didn't like the Freightliner as much. Quality wasn't there. Cabs were noisy. There's lots of reasons. Um, I preferred the Volvos, but the most important factor to me was the drive line. So I was willing to put up with the Freightliner that I wasn't crazy about because I got the drive line that I liked. So it really... I, I almost ignore the the nameplate on the truck. It's the drive line I'm looking for. Now it just so happens Absolutely. we're back at a place where I do really prefer Volvo's again, but now it's for their engine and their drive line. I, I think they have the best combination in the industry between their their uh, the engine that we can run at such low RPMs. It's really efficient. I mean, I'm talking 900 RPMs going down the road that we can run these Volvo engines down that low. They last forever like that. They're getting crazy good fuel economy. We're not having emission issues. So it, that's my preference now. But we got to take a step back. And first off, we have to talk about what's your budget. How much do you want to spend oh, right on a now, truck? Right
6: now, I'm wanting to keep it for a first-time buyer, you know, I'm, I'm thinking under a hundred
0: thousand. Absolutely under a hundred thousand. I would probably revise that south by about fifty thousand. Okay, okay. I, I honestly. And in the only in, thing that kind of. In today's market, I would not want to spend more than fifty thousand dollars on a new startup. Absolutely. The, the The rates are down. The volumes are down. You have got to run now. I am all for starting at the bottom. I've been talking about that a lot. But the reason we start at the bottom, it is going to force you to cut your costs before you even get started. You know, all the people that right. got into the industry the last three years, none of them looked at expenses at all. Nobody cared. Oh, I can get $3, fifty four 3 dollars 50 $4 a mile. Who cares about fuel mileage? Who cares about expenses? That was the attitude. And I it, realize
6: and it, when that's going to end pretty quick.
0: Yeah, it's ended. That party's over. Um, oh, so. Yeah. So, you, now, if you're going to get into business right now, which I, I think it is a good time, you just have to force yourself to say, I, I've got to make sure I cut my expenses to the bone before I even turn the key the first time. So, the, the biggest factor right. in that is buying a good, reasonably priced, maybe even high mileage truck. I mean, we might be looking at something that has six, seven 700,000 miles on it.
6: Yeah, that was the first thing that kind of scared me at first was real high mileage, you know. Well, let not me know where it was coming from. But
0: let, let me let me lay your fears here. I, I at 30 plus years of buying trucks, both new and used. I had more problems with brand new trucks in the first year I owned them than any other truck I bought, except once I made a huge mistake buying a used truck. I didn't follow my own system and I ended up with one of those trucks that just uh, almost broke me with the expenses, but it was my fault. I had a system. Right. I was in a hurry. I didn't follow my own advice and I bought a truck without, I, I, I just trusted the dealer I had been using for years and I shouldn't have because he didn't know all that stuff. We, we, you know, that's why I talk about all the inspections, pull an oil sample, download a full ECM report, uh, So I I can tell you that buying a new truck and having a big payment, big insurance cost, and then having it break down and be in the shop over and over is way more stressful and expensive. Oh, yeah. That warranty is almost worthless when it takes them three or four days to get my truck back out. And then when I get it out, it's not right again, and I got to go back. And that's a common thing with warranty work. So I'm... Definitely. New trucks, to me, make sense when you've got a, you've already, you're already in business and you know you have the cash flow to handle a new truck. You've got plenty of money to put down on it so we're not getting killed with finance costs. That's when a new truck makes sense. And we're going to take advantage of the newest technology. You know, for example, we, we, can, we can build a Volvo today that gets 10 miles to the gallon in almost every operation other than the extremes. That's pretty incredible. But we have to spend an awful lot of money to do that, and that's risky. So uh, we can also, you know, we're looking at Matt with a, an older truck getting 8 miles to the gallon. Um, we've got Steve Crone with an 01 truck getting over 9 miles to the gallon and occasionally 10. I mean, we can still get really, my- really good fuel mileage numbers with 20-year-old trucks. <laughs> So I I would revise your your budget down to about fifty. Now, how much cash do you have to put down on the truck?
6: As of right now, between seven and ten thousand.
0: Then that fifty makes a lot of sense. A hundred is way too much for you to be spending, especially with interest rates. I mean, you're 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 gonna every dollar you you borrow right now is gonna cost you a lot more because our interest rates are so high. That's another reason we've got to drop that that truck cost because the higher we go on that budget, the bigger our budget has to become for interest cost. So the good news is there's lots of really dependable, efficient trucks on the market right now at 50,000. I mean, I wouldn't have um, any problem buying a $50,000 truck today. There's lots of good stuff on the market.
6: I wouldn't either. Exactly what you said it was my plan. Start off small and then see how it goes. And then, you know, budget from there and then get a nicer, you know, maybe newer truck.
0: Yep. Yep. That, that, that's the way to go. So, um, I would be looking, um, probably in that budget around a 15 or 16 Volvo. Uh, we can get down to, you know, specifics. It, it's going to have a, I'm going to want it to have a Volvo engine, um, the i-shift transmission, good high gear ratios so we can get the RPM down, um, what I would have you do right now is start looking at that market. So you start to get familiar with the models, the the options, and um, once you kind of identify a couple trucks that maybe you're interested in in that, um, in that ballpark, then Call me if you've got two or three you're looking at. We'll start to go over them, and we'll start to get more specific about what you should be looking for.
6: Right, absolutely. One last question on sure. financing for an older truck. Is that a little bit more complicated than an it,
0: older truck, closer it, to the 15-year model? It's only complicated if you are trying to buy it from an individual. In fact, that's almost impossible. Okay. Um, There are a few finance companies out there that might work with you. If you had really good credit and, you know, a a good relationship with the local bank or credit union, you could do it. Buying from a dealer is drop dead simple. They, They have multiple finance companies. You fill out an application, they'll find somebody to finance it for you. And if they don't, then you shouldn't have one anyway. I mean, if there's some problem with your credit, do you know what your credit score is? I got. Um,
6: I don't know how accurate credit karma is. I don't go by it. I know it's give or take, you know, points, but closer to the 800. I mean, I financed the house, Uh-oh. made all Shoot. my payments on time.
0: You're you're fine. You're not going to have any trouble whatsoever with financing if you've got ten thousand down. You're looking at a fifty thousand dollar truck, and you've got over seven hundred or seven fifty, which it sounds like. Um, one thing on the the credit karma. I read something the other day. I realized that there are multiple different credit scores. You don't have one credit score. You have multiple different right. scores calculated different ways. Some mortgage companies use one specific score. Some car companies use a different one. If it's a personal loan, they'll use something else. I was reading an article the other day, and I think I read something like there are actually 30-some different formulas for credit scores. Oh, wow. It's just all over the board. But what I can tell you is you are up in a range where we don't even have to think about it. If you're anywhere near 800, we don't even have to think about it. You're going to get financed just fine.
6: Gotcha now on the down payment part what he's talking about after I get established and everything well I have to I want to pay myself back that down payment well I have to uh, will that be taxed again or no. how does that work
0: now you're you are in your first year we're going to want you to operate as a sole proprietor and as a sole proprietor you do whatever you want with the money you earn or with the money the company earns it it so as a sole proprietor, you have gross revenue coming in. Then you pay all your expenses, and whatever is left over is yours. Now, whatever is left over is what you're going to pay tax on, no matter what you do with it. That is your taxable revenue. That's your personal revenue. Then after you pay tax on it, you can do anything you want. You, you could start paying down uh, the debt in the company, which, which is a good idea. And you can just ignore taxes at that point. Now, in the second year, we're going to look and see, um, is there a reason for you to become incorporated? And the only reason in my book is, is will it lower your taxes? And that all comes down to the numbers. So after the first year is over, we look at your uh, gross revenue, your expenses, your net revenue. And does it make sense to incorporate? Can we lower your tax? And if so, then we would form a corporation nothing really changes all that much it's your your money is still all the profit that's left over yes sir well i definitely appreciate the talk and the information sir sounds like you're on the right track congratulations and uh stay in touch i'd like to help you out throughout the process you've got a good plan going so congratulations uh i love seeing this stuff when uh we're, we're at the bottom, and people are still doing well, and we've got other people getting into business. Um, th- things are tough right now, there's no doubt, but it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's different than I've seen in the past when we've been at this point of uh, recession like this. There, there's still some good news out there, so we'll keep an eye on it. All right, we, um, we are out of calls. I have got a couple things I might, I'm going to look through my notes here. If you want to jump in, I'll, uh, I'll hang out here for a minute or two. 319-527-6791. Uh, just some real odds and ends here I wanted to go over while I'm waiting for some calls. One, I read an article this morning I was shocked about. I didn't realize this. Um, it was an article about unions Um, unions trying to kind of get back into the trucking world, not having a whole lot of success. I did not realize this union membership in the United States actually peaked in 1950. I had no idea. Somebody would have asked me that question and I had to guess. I probably would have said it. it, I, I would have thought it peaked around 1975 or so. I had no idea it had peaked that early uh, and really has been declining ever since. The article talked about the fact that um, over-the-road trucking companies are almost impossible to organize for uh, unions because they can't get the drivers together in one place to organize them. So LTL companies, more local stuff. Um, there's been a, a renewed push by the unions to try to uh, to break into some of those companies and markets. I, I don't really see it happening, uh, but I was just shocked by that, that uh, statistic. Uh, the other thing I've been keeping an eye on that seems really interesting, uh, I don't know if you've been watching what's going on in Germany, uh, over in Europe as well as here, uh, there seems to be a coordinated effort and a coordinated attack on agriculture, farming. Uh, whether you want to believe it's part of the Great Reset they're talking about or whatever is going on in the world, there, there, uh, there's some evidence that it looks like they may be trying to control our food supply. Certainly, if you control the food, you can control the people. I don't know if that's what's going on or not, but it, but it certainly seems like it. Uh, The Europeans are fighting back. First, uh, the Dutch farmers. Now, the German farmers organized a massive protest and shutdown. Now they're being joined by the trucking industry and a couple other industries. And um, from what I can see and read, these are pretty massive protests. They're shutting down entire cities. I, I can't imagine what would happen if if that were done here. Uh, it looks like it's it's fairly peaceful over there, but I'm keeping an eye on that because that seems to be growing. What, uh, what else do I have here? Oh, um, this was another shocking statistic I saw. It looks like FedEx is about to lose a big contract with the post office. Now, I knew that FedEx moves a lot of freight for the post office, mostly um, their air freight. So there's a bunch of different partnerships between FedEx and the post office and UPS and the post office, and um, both ways. The post office delivers some of FedEx packages on what they call the last mile. Mm-hmm. And uh, then on the other hand, FedEx moves a lot of post office uh packages and and mail through their planes. But I guess that may be coming to an end. But the number I was shocked by was that FedEx moved almost $2 billion worth of mail under this contract. And from what I gather, it's not even all that profitable. So the post office is spending a lot of our money, $2 billion, on moving mail on airplanes. And I, I guess they're going to stop That's good news to me. Um, Our mail does not need to move on airplanes, move it on trucks. Anything that needs to go overnight, sure, put it on a plane. But most of our stuff does not need to get to us that fast. And the post office is horribly inefficient and wastes a ton of our money. So it's good news to see this. But I was a little shocked. That's a big hit for FedEx. They are talking about the fact that if they don't renew this contract and it doesn't look like they're going to, they will have an awful lot of pilots out of work. We already have a lot of pilots out of work. On the other hand, it seems like we have a shortage of pilots and they're extending the age. This is the same kind of stuff I've been talking about. We we have so many confusing contradicting factors in our economy. It's hard to figure anything out these days. Uh, it looks like phone calls are coming in, so we'll get those screened, and I'll, uh, I'll grab a couple more calls here in just a minute. A couple other uh, things. I've got a uh, health issue. I, I may talk about this more on Wednesday if I get time. I need to do some research. Um, the evidence coming in about how unhealthy sitting is for us, is getting stronger and stronger. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. A couple of years back, somebody came out with a study that said sitting is the new smoking. It's that bad for our health. Uh, it's always a challenge for us in this industry. I, I just experienced it uh, with my trip. So during my trip, I, I normally do my show standing up, wandering around the studio. Um, when I'm in the coach, it's just not practical. So when I'm in the coach traveling and doing the show, I tend to sit and do the show. I could get up and stand. And I think next time I take a trip, I'm going to make sure that I have the equipment I need to make it easier for me to stand and do the show, even in the coach where I don't have a lot of room. Uh, So during that trip, I did a lot of sitting while I was doing the show, did a lot of sitting while I was driving. I wasn't nearly as active as I am when I'm at home for a lot of reasons, and I can show the numbers in health. My HRV, which I really do believe is the single most important number we should be watching for health, something that we can measure every day, Uh, my HRV bottomed out in the low 30s. And I felt it. When I was down at 30, I did not feel good. I, I would have good mornings. You know, I would get up a little bit of caffeine. I'd feel great. I'd have a good morning. By the afternoon, I was just dragging I wasn't thinking as clearly, uh, just not nearly as active. And my HRV just kept going lower and lower and lower, down into the low 30s. Now, when I got home, I get back into my normal routine. I'm standing up, walking around, doing my show. I was out at the homestead over uh, yesterday and uh, very active. I'm paying for it today. I'm pretty sore. But my HRV is now in the low 50s not the low 30s, and that's all I changed. Um, Actually, I'm not eating as good as I was when I was on the road, so my diet is not as good as it was during the trip. My activity levels are much better, and you can see it in my HRV and my body battery. I mean, there was a time when when my HRV was down in the 30s, there were many days I'd wake up, my body battery would be 15 at the start of the day. And I, I just did not feel all that great. Now my body battery's up in the 80s, you know, a lot of mornings. My HRV's climbed up into the low 50s. And, and it's not diet. My diet actually got worse. It's just that activity. Now, it's not intense activity at all. I have not started up my stress protocol yet, getting ready to do that this week. This is simply a little more activity throughout the day. That's all that I've changed. And my HRV has gone way up because of it. So I'm going to be doing some more, um, some more research on... It just, I, I, I got to think through this. The, the the recommendations are to try to get a certain amount of movement in every hour and that when we sit for three or four or five hours without getting any activity, that's the worst case scenario. Well, that's the life of a truck driver. It, we, we can't, you know, when you're at an office, work at a desk, it's easy to take a break every hour if you want. It's really easy. It's not easy in the truck at all. It's not easy when you're traveling and you've got hours of service and schedules and all that stuff. It's not practical even. But I've got to come up with um, some ideas and some strategies on this because the the statistics are really pretty awful. Speaking of awful statistics, and then I'm going to get to the calls. um, The latest report, 38% of Americans are obese not overweight, obese, 38%, we are seeing an explosion of these new weight loss drugs like uh, Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, and it looks like the pharmaceutical companies are doubling down on this, and they're, they're designing and already testing more powerful drugs for weight loss. Now, these weight loss drugs are all similar in that they, are, they originally work on a hormone called GLP-1, which has uh, an impact on appetite. And that's why they're working as weight loss drugs. But they also slow down digestion. There's some nasty side effects to these. The newer, more powerful drugs are going to start working on not only GLP-1, but other hormones around appetite and satiety. I think this is a disaster, And I I think we'll probably know how much of a disaster in about five to 10 years. Now, if you're paying attention and watching the statistics, you can see it's a disaster already. When we start messing with hormones, and that's what these drugs do, it's hard to tell what kind of results we're going to get. Hormones are really powerful, and all of these drugs work on the hormonal level, and I think it's a really bad idea. Uh, and they also create some really nasty side effects. So um, I, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on some ideas around how do we mitigate uh, the damaging effects of all this sitting. we got to come up with something. Let's get back to some phone calls. Let's go to Tennessee. Ilya, welcome to the program. Good
7: morning, Kevin. How's it going?
0: Good. What's on your mind?
7: Um. So I've been working on, like, getting my authority and everything and switching over from uh, being a company driver to going out on my own for uh, probably, like, just about two months now. And it's, like, finally about to be done. I think my authority is about to be approved, like, any day now.
0: Good. Congratulations.
7: Uh, So, well, thank you. And, well, also thank you for your help because that, like, one of the big motivating factors for me was, like, I've heard of enough people listening to your stuff that came out with, like, not only success but just, like the downturn's not being so much of an effect on them, like what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow everything these guys are doing and, just like, see what happens. Just over-prepare. Good, good. Um, so also in, in the middle of all that here, I heard you and Joel talking about, uh, like, slowing down and all that stuff. And once in a while, like, someone would either question it or... Uh, like doubt it whatever like oh you're gonna get less miles and this and that so over these two months my goal was obviously to drive slower as well so i thought about it like oh maybe i could test it out at my company job before i leave and that's exactly what i did so i wanted to let you know like what my results were um so the way we run is uh well ran i guess because i left that company already um we all have the same route which we run four rounds a day we all have either the Mac Anthem. Uh, Cascadia or the uh, Kenworth T-80. Okay. There's, I think, like 30 to 40 trucks total. Mine was limited at 65 miles an hour. We also have trucks that were limited at 68, 69, and then a few that were 75, all running the same route, all running about the same weight. And so, mine was basically the slowest. And I also drive slower, like around the turns or whatever, because we we pull like 120 to 130,000 pounds. Okay. And I guess the other people like, they just fly around the turns, whatever. So every day I'd be driving 65 and the faster trucks would be passing me no problem, like way early in the route. And no matter what, every single time towards the end, we would all be pulling into the gate at the same time. Like (laughs) even even the truck that was going 75 while I'm going 65, he'd pass me way early in the route. And I'm like, all right, he's going to be there way before me. Right at the end, of the gate, hundred percent of the time over these two months that I tracked this, we're all pulling in at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
7: Like, like not once did that happen. So it's like, I don't even think you get a extra miles at the end. And. There's nowhere that anyone was stopping. I think it's just between the slowing down of the hills, maybe, or the exits of the traffic lights. It just works out to be the same anyway.
0: Here's what I've always wondered. Because I dealt with this when I was at FedEx, the you know the way a FedEx hub works is we have a morning dispatch and an evening dispatch. The morning dispatch, um, you know, when I was in Orlando, we would have three trucks that would do a butt head with Atlanta. We would have three trucks that do a butt head with Charlotte. And a butt head means, you know, I would leave the Orlando terminal with a set of doubles, and at the same time that morning, another driver would leave Charlotte, North Carolina. We'd meet. Meet in the middle. We'd swap trailer sets and we'd go back home at night. Um, that was our typical run. And you might have on that Charlotte run at one point, we had five dedicated. I, I had three of them myself. We had five dedicated and we had two extras that ran almost every day. So on a typical morning, there might be like seven sets of doubles leaving Orlando to meet seven sets meeting Charlotte. And the same thing would happen. I drove 57 miles an hour. And I was one of the early trucks leaving. I had had one of the first dedicated runs. And I'd get passed by everybody else on the way up there. But then I'd get up there, and they'd all be hanging out there having lunch or bullshitting or whatever they do. And I would get in, I always took my own lunch with me, I'd swap trailers, I'd get back on the road, I'd, you know, grab something to eat while I'm driving. And then they'd all pass me on the way back, and we'd all get to the yard, and they'd still be there dropping their trailers when I pulled in. And I was getting probably two and sometimes three miles per gallon better on fuel economy, and I wasn't spending any more time at work than they were. I've never, and then... I, I still see it, and we all talk about this. If you drive slow over the road, this can go on for days sometimes. You know when you're traveling across the country yep. i'll be on the road doing my thing and trucks will pass me and i'm paying attention i watch the truck i look at trailer numbers and later on in the day that truck will pass me again and then at the end of the day i'll pull in someplace to park and I I'll go oh look there's there's that truck that passed me twice today uh, and the next day it'll happen again same truck and i always wonder is there anybody that drives really fast and also manages their time well It seems like all the people that drive fast don't know how to manage their time at all.
7: Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I've also actually, I've looked at some of those other, like, at the end of the day, like, when some of those drivers are done, I went and looked at their trucks, like, fuel economy, and like I said, it's all the same route, about the same weight range that we all have, and their trucks were in the fives. My truck was, like, between six, six and a half miles per gallon running the same route.
0: Yeah, at, at so. today's fuel prices, that's probably close to $10,000 a year in savings. Yep.
7: Yeah, that's, yeah, so that, like, basically proved it for me, and, like, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, this kind of sounds, like, similar, like, how, uh, how you tested your uh, three trucks that you talked about on the same run, like, with the uh, modifications right. or whatever. Yep. So, uh, kind of got to run the same test for free. So, good. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel definitely a lot better about running slower now.
0: Excellent. Good. So. All, right. All right. Good. Well, good you. update. Good you're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Florida this time, Mike. Welcome. Hey, Kevin. What's so, on your mind today?
8: RV question for you. Sure. RV. I know you're uh, you're not big on the, the gas RV, but we're you know what we're doing with it. It probably wouldn't put a couple hundred miles on it per year. I mean, we're, we're setting it on a, an RV lot on the Tennessee River.
0: Oh, yeah. And it, I,
8: it, we may, you know, move it back and forth. Uh, what As far as mileage on a gas RV engine, I mean, would you consider 50,000 miles a lot? I which, mean, I think it'll be summer. Which engine?
0: Which uh, engine?
8: It's the V10, the Ford.
0: Triton, I think they call it. Oh, yeah. 50,000 on that would be nothing. Nothing. I have to believe okay. that that's a 200, 250,000-mile engine.
8: Oh, no, even on a gas? I
0: okay. would think okay. so, so like yeah. I said,
8: we're not going to really drive it. Um, it's more for just to sit there.
0: Yeah. Okay. It, you know, in the RV world, the engine itself, uh, unless you're getting up to the big, you know, 45-foot tandem, some of those, Tiffin builds some of those that I think are way underpowered. That's the only factors. When you get up to the really big diesel pushers, I want to make sure I've got plenty of, of horsepower and displacement. Other than that, though, the engine isn't, you know, I was just talking about that. It, it's the opposite of trucks. On trucks, the engine was everything. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to give up the truck that I really like if I can't get the engine I want. In in RVs, coaches, it's almost the opposite. There's there's only a couple engine choices. You're not going to put all that many miles on these things. You know, for me, having an Airt Cat. Um, was never in the playbook except when I looked at my options and how many miles I knew I was going to put on mine the engine wasn't the concern it's the chassis I worry about and and most of the chassis like you said you're not going to put many miles on this thing I would be more concerned about how well the house is built are are the house systems good and are they going to hold up that's a much more important factor than the engine
8: yeah, and I've had—I've never had a, a coach. You know, we've had a fifth wheel in the past, and it's yeah. You know, there, there's always something to work on. Always. I mean, I, I'm pretty handy. I <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I enjoy working on it. I don't—I don't really worry about that stuff too much. I'm more worried about—I can't rebuild it. an okay. engine. Yeah, i, I it, the other stuff doesn't bother me too bad. I, I and it's got where we're putting it. It's got a roof on it, so we don't have to worry about leaks.
0: Oh yeah, I, I would. Um, Water leaks. I, I, I wouldn't worry much about the engine or the mileage at all. I, I would focus on the house.
8: Okay. Okay. And it, it's not going to be... Well, I guess they all sit most of their life anyway, so I'll get sitting it, it's, in one spot for...
0: It, a it's the biggest issue. You, you know, I, I, if I look at the breakdowns I have on the road, almost all of them happen within the first two days of a trip, and it's because these these things just sit, and, and it... it Engines and and mechanical stuff works better the more we use it. It's kind of like our body.
8: Yeah, I just worry about we're we're in a you know we're like on the, the bank and there's it's going to flood from time to time. That's kind of why we're going with a coach instead of a fifth wheel. I, I'm, if I'm gone, and it you know starts to flood.
0: Somebody I'm, can my move wife it out. Can't
8: hook up a trailer and yeah, and, yeah, she can yeah. drive that though. As long as it starts, that's the only worry I have. I mean, we only have to move it. You know, we've got another little piece of land out of the floodplains. So lines we'll have to move it a quarter mile but
0: yeah I would gotta start and move though. I, I would recommend two things as far as that goes. Either put some solar on there that, that trickle charges your batteries while it's sitting or just get an inexpensive battery tender and and hook that up. Obviously if you're in a, a spot you've got electric, so put a battery tender on it and get yourself a good jump start module and you'll be all set. Okay. Okay.
8: Sound good. I appreciate
0: the info. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I just went through this uh, yesterday. I said I was out at the homestead, and I really haven't. I, I've, got a, I've got that 1972 Ford farm tractor out there that I kind of love, uh, and then I have a little John Deere um, kind of a lawn tractor kind of thing, and I haven't really been out there using either one of those since October. So they sat through... October, November, December, now we're into January. I was out there yesterday, and I'm thinking, boy, I bet I'm going to have a hard time starting these. Now, I had the um, the Ford tractor I put in the garage and put a battery tender on it. It started right up. I was really shocked about the John Deere tractor sitting outside under a cover, but not inside of a building, and I couldn't believe it. Even that thing started right up. Keeping the battery tenders on them, um, really makes a big difference, and they're inexpensive. They, they don't cost much at all. Let's go to Chicago this time. Uh, Iba? Am I pronouncing that right? Help me out here. Daleback. Uh, oh, got it. Okay. All right. What's on your mind today?
1: <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today? Good. Okay. Uh, I was looking at that BioGaia company. Okay. Is a uh, one one. Uh, it is for pregnant women. Uh, my uh, daughter-in-law is; three months uh, pregnant. Can you take a look if this is a good father?
0: Uh, well, first off, I, I I can. I could go look, and um, I, I'll do that for you. But my bigger concern is tell me about her diet. It's a 50 Then I would focus. Cheese, I would focus far of more. Of uh-huh. on improving her diet rather than thinking some supplement's going to make much of a difference. Oh, okay. But I will go look at the supplement. In fact, I'll do that right now. What am I looking for here? Uh, I don't know the
2: name. It says uh, pregnant
0: women. Oh, boy, that could be all kinds of things. I got to have a little more information than that to find it.
2: Oh, it's
1: from
0: BioGaia Company. Uh All right, let me see if I can... Figure it out from there. I have a feeling they may have more than one product. A lot of supplement companies do. Um, okay, could it be um, Bio Gaia Protectus Mum? And uh, it says it's yeah, that's a. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, All right, so, so let me look real quick just to see what's in this. Um, oh. This is nothing but a um, a probiotic, and it's a very, very simple probiotic. All this is is lactobacillus ruteri, a very common um, run-of-the-mill probiotic. My biggest problem with this product is if I'm going to spend $27 on a probiotic, I want it to have a couple more strains. I mean, they've only got one strain in here, and I can't find can't find any numbers right now on what level of probiotic is in this. Um, Oh, 100 million CFUs. Uh, Yeah, it's not all that high. Um, It's not going to hurt anything to take this. I'm not all that positive. It's going to help much. There are better probiotics on the market for pregnancy.
2: Okay. Uh, Actually,
1: she does take uh, Al Dry yogurt every day.
0: Yeah, and that—that's that, better than this, and and that's really inexpensive to make. And this is twenty-seven dollars a bottle. I, I'd stick with the yogurt. Oh. And if you wanted to add a probiotic, I would add a spore—a uh-huh. what's called a spore-based probiotic. You're already eating the yogurt. I would add a spore-based probiotic, which we get the the probiotic from the soil. That's what a spore-based is. Um, Enviromedica okay. is, is our partner company. So if you look in our store, we've got the Envi- Enviromedica probiotics. I would add that to the yogurt. That would be a better combination.
2: Oh, okay. What's the name?
0: Um Enviromedica. Just search for Enviromedica. We have a couple different probiotics in there. Either one of them would be fine.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. Okay, sir. Thank you very much.
0: You're have welcome. Have a great day. Let's go to Minnesota. Matt, we've been talking about you this morning.
5: Yeah, oh well,
9: I wasn't listening.
0: <laughs> I, I just left
9: home like 15 minutes ago.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking about your numbers earlier, and now you're calling in to talk about your numbers. Good timing.
9: <laughs> yeah, I uh, uh, got home yesterday afternoon and got all my end-of-the-year stuff updated. Hey, um, I'd like to comment on uh the speed thing first and i see joel had a big post yeah sometime oh last summer i don't remember when but last year my dedicated load going south to florida they have more than one load some weeks guy loads in the dock right next to me leaves five minutes before me must have passed me six times between (laughs) minnesota and florida (laughs) I come rolling around, turning <laughs> the driveway, Guess who's in front of me at the guard shack, checking in no the exact same
0: way. No way. No <laughs> way. Oh. Look, so,
9: if nothing else... gets you
0: nowhere. <laughs> if nothing else, it would make me in... He had to have stopped six times in order to pass you six yep. times. That would make me insane. I hate stopping when I'm on the road. I just want to keep going. Yeah,
9: that's that's... The secret is
0: just, just keep is, going. Um, well, efficiency. <laughs> yes,
9: efficiency in how you operate, and efficiency on your Stop. plan stops and all that.
0: The the only advantage I can even come up with the stopping six times my part of my open today I talked about more and more research coming out about how unhealthy it is to sit and be inactive. The only advantage I could see to stopping six times is maybe I can get out and be a little more active, but that would make me insane to stop six times in the same day. Yeah.
9: Well, and you really think the average truck driver that's driving fast and stopping more
0: is
9: (laughs) is, uh, going for a walk
0: around the park? No, they're not. They're not. not. But, you know, there's another factor here, too stopping six times or even three times in a day, just the stopping itself is inefficient. You lose fuel economy as you're stopping. You lose fuel economy to get to the truck stop or wherever the hell you're stopping all these times. You lose fuel economy to get back up to speed again. That is just really inefficient for both time and fuel.
9: And that's one, you know, I guess, advantage of running my dedicated run. I have all my plans stop. You know, like Henry talks about. Right. I never stop at the bottom of a hill on a downhill <laughs> ramp. Where you pull up the ramp, and then you're pulling a hill as soon as you, you know getting from rolling. Right. I right. I, I plan efficient stops.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I
9: rarely stop somewhere where the where the stop has to be on the left side of the interstate, cause then I got to make a left and cross over the interstate. And
0: that's right.
9: That just ain't worth it to me.
0: That's right. Yep. So,
9: hey. So yeah, I, I mean, I.
0: Let me um, go ahead. Let me run something by you. I don't, I don't think you were listening during this call. I had somebody else call me and share their uh, profit gauges numbers. I'm going to describe uh, an operation to you, and I think you're going to be as shocked as I was. Here's the operation. He moves pallets one way and comes back empty with a step deck. Pallets one way, no. empty the other. His profit per mile. Profit. A dollar eighty-two
9: a mile. Yeah, I believe he's called
0: the show in the past. I've, I've heard this story. Yeah, somewhere. That's that, that's crazy. Yeah. And he, I, he I, you know, he he ran a, he ran about half of what you do. He ran eighty thousand miles, and he he netted he took home just under a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's incredible. Yep. Yeah.
9: yeah. Well, he's beating me because my profit's only $1. seventy-seven. So. I know
0: that's what I mean on on <laughs> pallets one way and I'm empty the other. Empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, great stuff. Well
9: I uh just in the month of December finally met a couple of my goals that I didn't think I was going to hit for the year. Um one of them was overall expenses. Yeah I was at a Dollar five, dollar six. I think actually a dollar eight at one point throughout the year. I had some pretty pretty major upgrades I did throughout the year. Yeah, and got it down to ninety nine cents.
0: Nice for the
9: total for the year.
0: Nice. So I was
9: very happy with that.
0: That's a good place to and be. And the
9: other one, uh, what you're looking at is total fuel, both truck and reefer. So when I looked at the detailed report, my truck, I got it down to $0.39. Cents. I got under 40 Wow. I'm $0.03 three cents on reefer fuel per mile.
0: And tell us again um, how old your truck is and how many miles are on it.
9: Well, it's, it's an O2 truck with... Uh, Two point I don't know exactly because the speedometer was changed before I bought it, but say two point three million maybe coming up on two point five the engine is a ninety nine cat uh thirteen speed, but I did change it. I got two fifty three rear ends um, the engine has oh boy, it probably has close to seven hundred thousand on it now on a it's a reman engine
0: just dropped in, but yeah yeah, that's um yeah. Old school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, to get down to $0.39 a mile with that truck is incredible. You're getting good fuel economy. You're buying fuel at at good prices in good places. Um, Your maintenance cost for the year was kind of high. um, But like you said, there was a lot of big upgrades in there. I mean, you're at $0.40 for the year. The good news is your profit per mile is still insane at $1.77, and you run so many miles— couldn't you have done me a favor? Could, couldn't you have squeezed another 600 dollars worth of revenue in there somewhere, so I could have said you made 275,000 oh. dollars?
9: <laughs> yeah, but I'm down quite a bit from the year before.
0: Ah. <sighs> yeah.
9: I, I was it's, over 300 last year. Wow. So.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Great numbers.
9: Then, uh, you know, I, I know I get these questions and I see it online. Why? Why run so hard for that kind of money? And well, are, there, there is a reason we're buying property. And well, wait, um, wait. There, there wait. is a time frame, and I have a goal to write a check for a forty-acre
0: piece of land. Perfect. I'm not getting a loan. But let, let's think about something. So one, it, it, it's you know your finances are incredible because of this. But when somebody says, "Why would you run that hard for that kind of money?" Uh, well, why wouldn't you run yeah, hard wouldn't. when you can profit this much? I mean, this makes more sense than running hard when there's hardly any profit. Yep. If
9: yeah, I, I don't think it was meant for... I, I worded that wrong. Okay. Yeah. Why I keep working so hard is oh, because yeah. when I've already made good money, and it's it, it's it's for a reason, well, and it's not it, a long-term plan. I have less than it, a year left of this,
0: and then I can start slowing well, way down. And you're young. Well... I don't feel as young as I used to. Well, of course but, not, but but as far as you know, what's considered retirement age? Which, you're young that you're able to now start saying, "Look, if I want to slow down, I can."
9: Yeah, and uh, just speaking of age, uh, today's Angie's birthday.
0: Ah, you would think I would know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just so she doesn't feel bad, I don't know any of our employees' birthdays unless somebody tells yes. me. I'm. I come from a family of seven. And I only know one of my siblings' birthdays, and the only reason I can remember that one is because it's Groundhog Day. Huh. Other okay. than that, I, I don't know anybody's birthday. So, happy birthday, Angie. Huh. Yeah.
9: So, yeah, I turned 47 a month ago.
0: Yeah, that's so, what I mean. Uh, You're, we're talking about retirement age. You're still young.
9: Yeah. I'm 13 years behind you. And that's As right. long as it stays that way, we're, we're both we're, doing good, <laughs> We're right?
0: in good shape. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, my biggest challenge is um, when I first started trying to plan for my retirement, I had no idea that I was going to live to be 100. Well, now I'm pretty confident of that, so I had to make some adjustments. Yeah.
9: So, speaking of that, did you notice the S&P 500 last, well, two weeks ago, in between Christmas and New Year's?
0: I thought I saw a day where it
9: came within five points of of breaking the record. Yeah.
0: I I am still so shocked by the market. I I don't even know what to say. No.
9: But so now that the record was January 3rd, 3rd or 4th, I can't remember, of 2022. So we're now officially more than two years off of the top.
0: Sheesh. But it, it, it... Like I, I've been saying forever, nothing about this economy makes much sense anymore. No, you know well, I, I.
9: You know when you look at historically what we call recessions, it is only about, and we lost twenty-two percent in the stock market. Yeah, I, you know, they re- measure recessions different ways, but if you're just looking at the stock market and their historic recessions, it's it's about twenty percent, and it's usually short-lived. Yeah. But yeah, I. This one's dragging on because we got other issues.
0: I still think that the market's got to pull way back from where it is, but I, I don't know. It, it's hard to predict anything anymore.
9: Well, and that's. We're we're just getting our middle child signed up for his first loan ever. Well, oh. no, he did have an automobile loan. He's uh, I think it's February seventeenth. Twenty-three years old, and is signing a mortgage.
0: Ooh, I know. Scary. Just went through that with my son and it's just scary. What a crazy, you know, the stock market's one thing, the real estate market's been just crazy too. Hard to predict, nothing acting or reacting the way you think it should. I I would have expected we would have had a much bigger pullback in in real estate than we've had so far.
9: And so talking to realtors here, the last couple of months looking with him and, and all that. They got the exact opposite opinion in the real estate world. With the, with the talk of interest rates coming down, they think real estate's going to boom this year. It,
0: the problem I have with which that... Which I don't believe. I, I don't believe it either, and here's why I don't believe it. Inflation is through the roof, and people are being laid off. The, uh, layoffs nope. are common. Prices keep going up. That is not a market that's good for real estate at all. No. Nope. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it, yeah,
9: and, I, know. I don't have any predictions either, especially in a in a election year. You know, we're only not, uh, what a week away from Iowa.
0: I think. Not, it's, not I, only, I can't
9: remember the date, but it's coming up.
0: Not, not only an election year, but a crazy election year where they're trying to get Trump off the ballot in several states. We got to fight that. It, I've I've read stories that there are states that are trying to make sure Biden is the only Democrat on the ballot. It, we're seeing stuff around elections that we've never seen before. Uh, so I, this this year, unfortunately, all we're going to hear about in the news this year is the election. I mean, it is going to dominate the coverage for the rest of the year. I think once the primaries start.
9: Yeah. Well. And I don't know my history well enough, but I, I do know a couple of these facts are true without going back and looking up if it's ever happened more than once. But there is a time in history where, and it was a Republican candidate, got taken off of the ballot in a lot of what, states.
0: Wasn't it Lincoln?
9: Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And what happened after that election? Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: They, they took him off the ballot in the There's, states that had slaves still and it's the southern states yeah off the ballot yeah yeah and look at what happened that's what i mean this is this is a a crazy time and i know for the last most of my life we keep saying oh this is the most important election well the most important election (laughs) is the one we're in right now And, and i mean that anytime the next one will be the most important too but it does seem like things have changed pretty drastically. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. It may have been happening in the 60s with Vietnam and civil rights and that, but I may have been too young to realize it. But in my adult lifetime, we've never seen anything in politics like we're looking at right now.
9: No. And I mean, I know, yeah, there were issues Yeah, during the 60s, but I don't think it was to this extreme. Well, there may be, there were extremists around, right. but it was small pockets. I mean, our, and I, I believe it's the internet, social I media, agree. you know, people say things on the internet, they would never say in person, yeah. somebody else.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's,
9: that's changed a lot of it.
0: You know, I, I've i been talking about this a lot. Maybe it's just because it's, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time on social media, both our sites and um Mostly Twitter these days. We, we need to reach out to new people, and that's what Twitter's kind of serving for us right now. I, I am shocked at how I keep hearing this, and it's only a couple people, but I keep seeing it over and over, how they really believe that the Motor Carrier Act of 1980 was a bad thing.
9: Well, but that's because they don't know what it was like. They just hear the stories of how freight rates were higher. But that's the only detail they know.
0: You know what? I, I went back and looked, and in reality, driver's pay was not, not significantly higher than it is today. Not even close. Not even when you account for inflation and all those other things. All those stories about, oh, truck drivers used to make three times more. No, they didn't. Wasn't even close to that. But that, those are the stories you hear all the time. But I, I just wonder if they understand what happened. And I ask them outright, and I can't get anybody to respond. I'll say, you are willing to let the government control the rates in trucking. And they won't answer that. I don't think they understand that that's what was happening back then. I don't think they understand that that's what changed.
9: Well, I am the ability get authority,
0: that's the, that, that's that's how, the bigger one. Is, that's how the government controlled uh, yeah. the rates. They didn't set the rates. The government didn't say, oh, you have to charge this much from from Cleveland to Dallas. What they did was they stopped giving authority for the most part. So what they controlled was the supply side of the supply. equation. Supply and demand always dictates price, always. And by controlling the supply, by saying, no, we're not going to give any new authority. By doing that, the government, in essence, controlled the rates in trucking. And I can't believe there are people that would actually want to go back to that.
9: You know, now, focus now on trucking hold, because
0: we hold, know it. Hold on. Let, let me talk about how ironic this is. Here's the other thing they're pushing for. They don't want you to be allowed to lease to a carrier. Now, put those two things yeah, together, and what does that mean? If I can't get my authority because the government won't issue it, because that's how they controlled the rates, and it's illegal for me to lease to a carrier, it is now impossible to become an owner-operator. Yep. There's no way to do Your it. they are company drivers. Yeah, and, and I don't think they understand that at all, but that's what would happen. Yeah.
9: The whole comment about it used to be better pay, and they might be talking a truck driver's kind of, you know, rank and pay in society, I think, was a higher paying job at one point. Inflation, you know, yeah, we've kind of come out the same. But you look at it, I mean, butchers used to be, that was a very high. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
9: Well, you know, it paid good because
0: right. you didn't
9: know what you were doing.
0: It was a career.
9: Everybody got swinging beef, and you, you actually made a cut of meat.
0: Right. It was a career.
9: Pharmacist. I mean, yes, a true pharmacist is still a very high-paying job, but the majority of the clerks, they're, they're not making that great of money anymore.
0: No, and they don't do anything anymore. Pharmacists no. used to actually... Create the drug. They were, and they're—they're they're actually making a comeback in—in in more of the natural health world. They're—they're they're called compound pharmacies, where they would actually custom formulate a drug. That—that that, that, to me, I don't no. understand the purpose of a pharmacist. They stand there and count pills. <laughs> well,
9: and, and, and yeah, now that it's all barcoded, they, you. It, it's pretty hard to make a mistake. You've you got to scan the bottle. You're taking it out of. Okay.
0: <laughs> and, and don't tell me we put the pharmacist through all this training to make sure that they, they catch, you know, two drugs that shouldn't be prescribed together or, or that kind of bullshit. They're not doing that. Nobody knows what drugs are, are a problem together. And we have people taking six and seven and eight prescriptions. So you can't tell me these pharmacists oh. are monitoring that. Or, or if they are, it's not doing any good. Um, so I, I don't even understand the purpose of that job anymore. No. You might as well just no. move that part into the, the doctor's office or the clinic. You might It'd be much easier if the doctor's going to prescribe the drug, they might as well just give it to me too.
5: <laughs> well, yeah.
9: That's, I mean, it's getting to that point with, um, you know, prepackaged stuff, why don't they just have them at the doctor's office yeah. and just hand you the bottle?
0: Right, that's all it is. There, no pharmacist is, is compounding and making a drug. That's what the pharmacies used to do. And it's, now it's just a matter of they're counting pills. Move that stuff into the doctor's office. So,
9: so I have a, uh, a request from the, from the audience for this year. All right. I like to talk about numbers. I'd love to help other people with their numbers. So I would really like to hear more people call in and ask I would questions too. about their numbers and, and yeah. you know, get involved in your numbers. Even if you're hiring it all out for somebody else to do all the data entry, which is I, w- a mistake in my let me, opinion. Let
0: me make a comment there because you bring up a good point. If you are... Farming out all of your accounting, you're having somebody do your month-to-month accounting and your tax return and all that, and you're not all that involved in your own numbers, then it's even more important that you pick up that P&L or whatever report you get and call in. Let's talk about it so you spend time in there and understand it. That's really a good point. Those people need it more than anybody. They should be calling in and talking about it. The people who do their own numbers already know them. They're doing them. They know the numbers inside and out. I love when they call and share and we talk about ways to improve them. And I've always thought that. We are going to do more profit gauges training, um, which is kind of the same thing we'll be doing Um, zoom calls so we can go over how the reporting works and yeah i i I like that i wish we could get a lot more talk of that on the show yeah
9: well and the people that already have a pnl that have it hired out those are the easy people to help right just send us your information and yeah and we can yeah because when you don't have numbers you know all we can do is we need to get the numbers we need to get numbers right
0: right that's always the first step
9: yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear more calls, and I'll, I'll volunteer to help.
0: Good stuff. You know, who's
9: ever willing to call in and, and work on stuff.
0: You know, one of, one of the things I'm looking forward to when we, we get through this technology, and like I said, I have a meeting today. We might, we might be starting some testing on our own phone system today. Uh, I am looking forward to being able to do more shows without me. Um, I'm looking at my schedule this year. We're we're bringing back uh, Rates and Lanes with Brent. We're bringing back Broker Connect with the TIA. Um, We're probably putting together some sort of a podcast with Nastic. I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet. I've got a coaching call every week, and I'm getting ready to launch a virtual training program every week. My schedule's slammed full. I mean, everything I want to do right now in my week isn't going to happen. I'm going to have to pick and choose. I'm looking forward to part of what we've been working on on the technology would be to make it easy for somebody like you to do a show with nothing but your phone when you're on the road and you've got time. And the good news about our network, it's not like Sirius where you kind of had to have a time slot filled. I mean, you, you know, there were set shows, that's the show that's gonna be on every week. Well, We've already broken all the rules of radio anyway. We don't do commercials, we do all kinds of goofy stuff. I don't know why we couldn't have shows that, it's just a show when somebody has time to do one. It doesn't have to be scheduled every week or every month or whenever. If you wanted to do a show on numbers, I want it to be where you could do that easily. Yep. 90 seconds.
9: Yeah, and the, on the uh, investing side, I, you know, there's another one. I'd love more questions. Um, yeah. I've just last week here went through and kind of redid some of my stuff and getting rid of some older mm-hmm. mutual funds I was in with higher fees. That I mean, they've always done real well. Right. So right. I've always Ma- just Matt? held off on... I, well,
0: I hate yep. to do this, but I scheduled my show to end at 10 today, and I wasn't oh. watching the clock. And it's, 60 seconds. I got one minute to close out, so uh, I'm going to cut you loose. Okay. Um, love the idea. We had two more calls on hold. Sorry I didn't get to you guys. Um, I had to cut this off at 10 today because, like I said, we do have a uh, meeting uh, shortly here to start going over and maybe even testing our technology, and I've got to get ready for that. Uh, And I've got a couple other things going on. So great show today. Thanks for all the calls. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.